This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to the interview series. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm your host today, Craig Patterson, and we're joined here with Donish Youssef. He's the founder and CEO of Toronto-based Zensurance. Welcome, Donish. Thanks for having me, Craig. Pleasure to be here with you. Now, tell me a little bit about uh, Zensurance and uh, how the company came about. Sure, absolutely. We're, we're coming on six years old now. I started it after 15 years of working as a software engineer, as a consultant to insurance companies, and, and saw the opportunity uh, to serve small business owners uh, and deliver them commercial insurance. It's an underserved, quite often unloved segment of the market because it's uh, small businesses don't generate that much money each. And, and so it's really hard to... Uh, to service them in a traditional way. So they have to be serviced in a different way. And so our models around uh, streamlining and automating the process, building custom tailored products by industry geared towards small businesses specifically made for digital distribution. And a lot of the savings that we generate through that, we pass on to the end customers so that they ideally get a better experience, a more transparent process, uh, a fantastic product, at a price that they can afford. Terrific. And uh, uh, you've got, uh, like you said, a bit of background uh, prior to this in the insurance industry. Um, you saw a gap, I guess, in uh, well, in the insurance industry to keep the terminology separate from actual insurance, which, which includes gap insurance. But um, right. uh, in terms of uh, coverage, uh, insurance does commercial, does it do, do other areas as well? Or tell me a little bit about uh, the activities there. So the insurance world broadly divides into two pieces, roughly equal size in Canada. There's a life health benefit side and there's yep. property and casualty. We're on the property and casualty side. That then further splits into two big buckets, insurance for individuals. So that would be your home and your car and then insurance for businesses. Um, so we're on that side and I'll talk a bit about the products insurance for businesses then typically is broken down into three categories, small, mid, and large. Uh, and we focus on the small to the mid. So that would be okay. businesses under 100 employees typically. Uh, and the products that they will often buy, uh, specifically say if we talk about the retail side, would be general liability. It would be product liability for the stuff they sell. It would be, uh, it's now almost a bad word, business interruption. Uh, issues related to the store shutting down and having lost revenue or profits, uh, your commercial auto, those would be the typical products. Cybersecurity is a big one these days. Those are the typical products that would, uh, that would be needed by a small business. There's a suite of others like professional liability, medical malpractice, directors and officers. Uh, those are also there, but with the retail context, it's typically general liability, product liability, and, and the other ones that I mentioned. Very interesting. And now tell me a little bit about the importance of uh, insurance for retailers generally, because uh, uh, there can be some issues that come up that may be unexpected. I, yeah, insurance is, is an odd product. It's one of the few products that you buy and you hope you never have to use. Uh, you will <laughs> pay for it happily or not. You pay for it. And, and the, the, the aspiration is it never has to be used. And all you really get is a document of 200 pages uh, and a promise for future payment. But what I think you're really buying is the ability to sleep well at night, knowing that if there's an issue, 
your life savings have some protection. Uh, I'm a small business owner myself. I can't imagine uh, being able to sleep if we're selling insurance to people. What if there's an error in the insurance policy that we sell? It happens. Is my entire life savings at risk? No, because we have insurance too. So that's what I'm buying. The ability to run my business, take calculated risks, sleep at night and, and, and keep living my life. So, so that's what you're buying. And that's the importance of having the right insurance. It's also quite important to buy it, buy your insurance from the right place, uh, a place that specializes in the industry that you're in or the geography that you're in or the size of business that you're in. Uh, and, that, and that's something Zensurance really focuses on is a target segment and having in-depth knowledge of that segment, that geography, that product, and really diving deep into that. Terrific, terrific. Now, um, and, and some retailers say that our physical start selling online. There can be some complexities. We were discussing this uh, um, a little while ago before the recording. It's, it's quite different. Um, so what we had seen pre, pre-pandemic, sure, people were selling online, but it was often either you sell online or you sell offline. And there was a bit of overlap. But once the pandemic hit and the rules came in where footfall wasn't allowed, you had to be shut for a period of time. So many businesses switched to selling online. Uh, and there's a couple of things that correlate quite well with selling online. Um, co- correlate quite often is importing your goods and then selling them outside of Canada. It's, it's much more likely that if you're selling online, that you're importing your goods and that you're selling outside of Canada than if you are uh, physic, a physical business. Because quite often our customers that have a storefront buy from a local distributor, which is not an insurance parlance, not considered importing because the importer is importing. You're buying from a local distributor. And if people are walking into a shop to buy, then you're not selling, say, into the US. Um, so those two big changes make a dramatic difference on whether or not your policy covers you. And there are many, many insurance policies out there that don't cover you for products that you've directly imported from outside of typically North America. And I can talk about why. Wow. And then many policies don't cover you for sales that you've made to customers based outside of Canada. And it's generally the U.S. that insurance companies are worried about because claims are more frequent. And mm-hmm. they are much larger. The United States, there's a little lit, uh, litigation happening in the United States sometimes. <laughs> Litigious <laughs> is the term. Right. So many, many policies have an exclusion for lawsuits uh, coming from sales outside of Canada. So you may not even be covered. Interesting. That could get very interesting if there's a lawsuit from the United States. Yeah. Rude surprise. Mm-hmm. You're, you think you're covered and you're not. Um, and on imported goods, the... Most of the time, it's, if it's imported, the product, it's coming from China. And the insurance company's view is there's a different standard of, of safety when it comes to products. And they also are not able to um, go after the manufacturer of the product if the manufacturer is not based, say, in North America. If there's some small manufacturer in China, the insurance company can actually go after them for the faulty product. So they eat the entire loss themselves. So that's why importing of goods absolutely have to declare what you import, where you import from to whoever you're buying your insurance to make sure you're covered. And I always say, get it back in writing from your provider that you are covered uh, or, or not. And if you're not, then go look for a better policy. Okay. Wow. Now, how about retailers selling on Amazon? This is something we've talked about in Retail Insider recently. Um, for a long time, Amazon has uh, 
pushed its sellers above $10,000 of revenue per month to get insurance. It, it's that requirement has been okay. there for some time, but it was a few months ago that they started enforcing it. And if, and if you didn't show proof of insurance, I believe they would actually cut you off. So there's a massive influx of such requests to us uh, for that policy. They, they have some specific requirements, but uh, taking a step back, we look at that e-commerce platform in three categories. The first category is, is where Amazon falls, where uh, as the buyer, it's not clear to you whether it's Amazon selling the product or it's a reseller. You think you're buying from Amazon uh, and therefore there's a much higher liability on Amazon because as a customer, I don't know whether it's Amazon or some other person. So I'm going to sue Amazon. And there was actually a big case in which Amazon was drawn in, which resulted in uh, them putting this uh, insurance requirement in place. So that's category one, whereas the buyer, it's all the same to me. The second category would be uh, classifieds like Kijiji, where the classified is not directly connecting you, the seller of a t-shirt and me, it's just a whole bunch of listings and I deal with you directly. But Kijiji's brand is still there. Um, open question whether they have any liability. I haven't heard of much liability falling to a company like Kijiji if something happens between you and me. But that's the next level down. And then mm. the final level down would be someone like Shopify that's just providing infrastructure or, or Stripe that's allowing you to pay. And you may not even know that Shopify is where the store is hosted. Uh, and so they presumably have the least liability if me as a purchaser gets hurt. Um, and in conversations with companies like a Kijiji and like a Shopify, those categories of customers, they thus far have not been taking as strong a stance as Amazon in enforcing insurance. Mm. But Amazon has, and I suspect others like Amazon will, will do so as well. Goodness. Now, you mentioned that there was some uh, growth during the pandemic as well. That uh, um, I, Well, more companies probably require insurance because we're, we are in a pandemic situation. But as, as insurance has grown quite quickly, I believe. We've been fortunate uh, in many ways that pandemic has been good for us, um, as has been the case for many companies that sell online. Um, we... We went into the pandemic. I still remember the day where we told everybody, if you're already home, don't come back. If you're in the office today, take your laptops and go home. We then took a whole bunch of Ubers to put people's personal belongings into the Uber and send them to their house. Monitors, shoes, jackets. So people leave all kinds of things in the office and we didn't want them to come in. So we sent them home and we've been remote ever since. Um, but we went into the pandemic with about 50 employees and 20 months later, we're at 200 employees. Um, we're serving nine provinces. Uh, we're not in Quebec yet. Uh, it's on the roadmap, but we're not there yet. In terms of customer count and revenues and all, all of that has three to four X wow. since the pandemic hit. And we were at the point where we just couldn't hire fast enough because um, it's also hard, hard to hire people these days. We just could not hire fast enough. That's impressive. In terms of the growth, the hiring partner. No, we, we were quite fortunate. I think we, we were lucky in many ways that we happened to be there in the right industry with the right setup and, and it worked out for us. But we have lots of customers that are small business owners, retailers, or sports instructors. And we just saw the devastation. Uh, number of policies canceled, which means they're going out of business. People calling and almost crying, saying, I have all of this money invested in my business and, and I'm losing it. And, and so it's just really heartbreaking to hear all of those stories of, of small businesses and we, we we don't issue the policies we're just the broker so we don't have a whole lot of control around the price or, or cancellation rules but 
we, we tried to negotiate extensions of payment and waivers of non-payment fees as, as much as we could, but we're the front lines and, and we, we see a lot of that heartbreak uh, firsthand. Goodness, goodness. Cause I was going to ask about the um, impacts of the pandemic because uh there must be some opportunities for insurance, uh, you know, following the fact that there there have been some different business types that have struggled. Uh, uh, we should talk, maybe mention <clears throat> that first in terms of, you know, there were some different types of retailers that were closing. Um, was there anything that you observed? Because you must have access to a little bit of data just from customers generally without naming any specifically. It was very interesting to see the types of customers that really boomed. And then there was categories mm-hmm. that, that struggled quite a bit. The biggest area that I think struggled the most was um, uh, the beauty and the sports segment. Because it's very hard for them to go online. And I'll mention one or two really good examples of them moving online. But for the most part, that segment of of our business saw uh, the most stress. Customers closing down and not as many new customers coming in. So this would be a nail salon, a barber, a tennis instructor those types of things, uh, that, that segment really hurt. But there's a great example of, of, a, of a company just outside of downtown. They would do um, haircuts and makeup and, and those types of things. And since they were shut down in the early part of the pandemic, they started doing kits where they would send you, say, uh, the hair dye and the brush and, and instructions. And then via Zoom, they would tell you how to do it yourself to yourself. And they took off. Um, and I don't know at this point whether they're ever going to go back to their old model because this is so much more scalable, right? You're selling kits. And then if you're going to do a Zoom call, you can have employees in different parts of the world or different parts of Canada doing those classes. So that was a, a fantastic example of a pivot of a company that did really well. Um, other areas are um, our white collar business segments continued strong. These would be IT consultants, engineers, paralegals, not, not a blip. They just continued strong. Um, construction contractors took a dip, but it's really hot now. I'm doing getting some work done at a house and I can't find a contractor. Uh, everyone's so mm. busy. Um, and then we talked about brick and mortar, retailers shifted online, hospitality uh, really struggled and the insurance prices double, tripled, even 5x in some cases. Um, and I've been on the news a couple of times talking about that, uh, what, what happened there. But that's just sort of a summary of the different areas um, and, and lots of changes uh, on insurance needed for these different uh, business models. And so you, you really need to work with somebody that you know and trust that understands your business so that your policy can change along with your business. Very, very interesting. Um, where do you think things are going in terms of, say, insurance generally, as well as what uh, you've got planned for Zensurance, which I guess would kind of follow along the same lines? For us, um, we want to own more and more of the value chain. Uh, initially, we were uh, generating leads and then selling them to an insurance broker, or, or that was the plan. And then we said, no, no, let's, let's actually own more of the customer experience. So we licensed our own brokerage, insurance brokerage. We, we brought the customers in and we serviced them directly. And then we went one further step back in the value chain where we now design the insurance products. We help, we help set the price. We don't control it, but we help set it through our own analytics. Um, and we, we don't control the claims, but we can help in the claim. So that's another step back. We want to keep owning more and more of the value chain 
So we control the full customer experience. Um, when a customer comes in, they don't know the difference between, they don't always know the difference between the broker or the insurance company, any intermediaries, the, 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 the outsourced claims providers, it's all Zensurance. And so we want to own as much of that as we can. So we control the experience. So that, that's sort of where mm. I see us going. We've dabbled in other parts of insurance. We might, we might launch new lines. Um, there is a new segment that we've launched. Um, we'll figure out what the branding is, but uh, internally we're calling it Zen Elite, where customers above mm. a certain size or complexity get a higher tier of interaction and engagement because their policies tend to be more complicated. The business tends to change more often. And so we have a, a whole separate team focused on that. In terms of where the industry is, one area we're very keen to get into, it doesn't exist today, but it's something we've been dabbling in for quite some time is the concept of pay-per-use insurance for commercial insurance. Mm -hmm. So if you think about auto, this is quite common where initially you used to plug something into your uh, car or, or now it's just an app on a phone that determines when you drive, how much you drive, do you brake hard, do you turn hard, and that then determines your price. Similarly, for insurance, what I'd love to get to a point is, let's say you're a seller on, on Amazon. Via Amazon, we'd know you've sold six t-shirts this month. Four of them were to Canadians. One was to the US and one was the, to the UK. So we're going to charge you two cents for this t-shirt and four cents for that t-shirt and three cents for that t-shirt. So it's very much driven by uh, your business activity. And if you didn't have any sales, maybe you don't pay for insurance that month. Uh, and, it, and it really kind of like electricity, right? You turn on your switch, you have electricity, you pay for how much you use, you shut it off, that's it. So insurance that flows, if you will. Uh, that's something we really would like to do, but I think there's still some time ahead uh, before it gets there. We have plugged into accounting platforms. We've looked at payroll platforms and payment providers to, as a source of data, but it, it's still a work in progress. Very, very interesting. And uh, probably there's been an issue around, I guess, online fraud and whatnot, cyber crime right. is anything happening around that space oh that's um yeah cyber insurance is almost a bad word now <laughs> in the insurance world so many companies have pulled out of offering cybersecurity insurance uh mm. or even shutting down specific coverages within cybersecurity. for example there's a big company in france that stopped offering um ransomware cyber ransomware coverage and the that there was some sound logic to it. The thought was many of these attackers are only going after businesses because they know the businesses are insured and therefore somebody with deep pockets will be there to pay. And so it's worth oh it for goodness. them. And so this one insurance company said, okay, if we stop the insurance, then maybe uh, these attacks will stop. But I think that's kind of like saying, uh, you know, uh, watches are stolen just because watches are there. So let's stop watch shops from selling watches because they're prone to be stolen. You know, I, I don't think that makes any sense. Improve the security, improve detection and, and all of that. Uh, so, so there's a big push to get uh, small businesses in particular, better levels of security. So they have protection against these attacks. But I think the thing that small business owners and retailers should be worried about with respect to cybersecurity is an attack coming in, shutting down all of their systems and, holding all of their data for ransom. And if they don't pay 10 Bitcoin, they, they never get their data back and then their systems are fried. Uh, that's a big risk. 
And if you think about it from the hacker's perspective, all of this is automated. They have a machine that's scanning the whole internet, looking for uh, vulnerabilities. And they are so sophisticated where your machine will get shut down. You'll get a phone number. You call the phone number. It's a call center. Um, you'll have a conversation. Uh, and, and once you pay, your, your system automatically unlocks. Very much like you call a cell phone provider and say, my phone's not working. They've run their businesses extremely professionally and, and they're doing it at scale. So I would say, even if you don't think you may have an exposure there, definitely cover, uh, consider cybersecurity. It's, it's the hottest product and it's well worth it. Even if you get one incident, you will need help negotiating. You might need some PR support, some brand management, which comes with insurance. You might need to notify all of your customers that you've lost their credit card information. So the notification costs are there. You might need to buy them credit counseling and credit monitoring services. So much can come out of this that you business owners should really be aware of how scary it could be. Yeah, it sounds like it. That, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. That's now, I live in this space, so maybe I, I think of it a whole lot more than the average person. Um, but when I think of our own business, we bought high levels of insurance, just given the type of data we deal with. So I live this every day. I, I don't want to be there scaring yeah. people, but <laughs> this is my life. Is there anything else uh, that we should mention about Zensurance today? A couple things I might mention what business owners should think about with respect to insurance and maybe a little bit more on the retail side. We only we talked about imported goods and sales to the US, but a, a couple things around uh, the types of products you sell. Um, sometimes, say, baby products are excluded or load-bearing furniture is excluded. Um, so have a very clear idea of the inventory that you have and then confirm with whoever's providing your insurance that your entire inventory is covered by your policy. Super important to have stuff like that in writing. Um, then the coverages that you have, there's a different yeah. type of coverage for stock versus contents versus inventory. All of that varies by season. And, and you know, Christmas time, you might have 2x the inventory. So be very careful in particular about the type and the amount of insurance you have. And again, talk with your insurance provider. Yeah. Make sure you're properly covered. Interesting. Hold cow. And uh... the last type of coverage I'd mentioned that is critical these days. Uh, especially as you look at climate change, floods are more common, hailstorms and different forms of precipitation are much more common now than before. And water coverage is so um, difficult to understand. As an insurance provider, I spend a lot of time just reading the wordings. There's a difference between if the water comes from above versus it's overland water versus it comes from underground, whether it came through your pipes, whether a pipe ruptured. So getting a very good understanding of the types of water coverage you have, because one small issue could destroy your, your stock or could ruin your $30,000 worth of wood floors, wood flooring. So being very careful about water coverage in particular is critical. Uh, and all of these things, make sure you have all of this in writing from whoever your provider is. The last thing you want is you thought you had it, but, but it's not there. Uh, so water coverage. Super important. Oh, my goodness. And that's just one of probably many things now that I think about it that could happen. I mean, there's storms, there's fires, there's... <laughs> that's right. Well, that's why you buy insurance and you buy it from someone that knows your business uh, or your industry. Um, and, and our model at Zen Insurance is just 
focusing on the small guy or, or girl, <laughs> sorry, I should say the small business owner. And um, quite often we'll spend a hundred hours upfront on a uh, small mm. coffee shop insurance policy. Spend a hundred hours understanding all of the permutations, all of the details, but then we'll sell a thousand of them. So that hundred hours up front is oh. worthwhile because we, we sell a thousand of those. Interesting. Yeah. A bit of pre-research and then uh, you'll know what that category requires for that insurance. Exactly. In terms of needs and, and, and what risks might be there. And I'm sure there's lots, you know, <laughs> someone could get burned. Someone could. <laughs> yeah. It's quite morbid when you sit back and think about all of the things that can go wrong. Um, but it's a small number of coverages that provide you the bulk of the protection. I just heard the stat like 10%. So this is US 10% of all or sorry, 80% of all tweets come from 10% of Twitter users hmm. of, of the US. And similarly, in insurance, there's a handful of coverages that would protect you in the vast majority of cases. So you just want to make sure you understand what drives claims in your industry. And that at a minimum, you have all of those coverages. Very, very interesting. Well, retailers got to take note uh, uh, <laughs> for this because, uh, you know, there are some, some uncertainties there. So in, in our show notes, we'll have some information here on, on Zensurance. We'll have a link to your uh, bio as well. Uh, thank you so much, Donish Youssef. You're the founder and CEO of Toronto-based Zensurance. Thank you for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. Very interesting stuff. And I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the <laughs> editor-in-chief of Retail Insider. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Take care and bye for now. <laughs>